0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture will stop by to talk about this week's crop reports. Also, we'll chat with Dan Bossy with Egg Resource Company, who will talk about this week's USDA crop acreage report. Justine Cornelson with the Canola Council of Canada will stop by to talk about the crop. And out first in today's country comments, we'll chat with Sue Clayton, Executive Director with Agriculture in the Classroom, Manitoba. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next hour. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The Manitoba government and the Manitoba 4-H Council have selected Agriculture in the Classroom Manitoba as the first recipient of the Alexander Sherban Agriculture Industry Development Program. I got the details from Sue Clayton, Executive Director with Agriculture in the Classroom Manitoba. The
1: Alexander Sherban uh, Agriculture Industry Development Program is brand new this year. It was the first time that the government or this grant has ever been given out. And as you might know, Alexander Sherban was a farmer from the Swan Valley area of the province, and he passed away in 2013, and he left his entire estate to um, the government, to Manitoba Agriculture and Resource Development. And they've taken that the estate and divided it in half, and Half the money has gone to his local community of Swan Valley to a community foundation um, for an endowment fund, and the other half they made into this Alexander Shaban Ag Industry Development Program, and and we applied under that um, earlier this year. And the the purpose of this of the grant is to increase public awareness about um, agriculture in Manitoba and to build public trust and to support skill development and career opportunities in ag. And so we applied for. Um, an agriculture primer um, program at the development of an agriculture primer and and we were awarded the full fifty thousand dollars and we just got that news and it was
0: announced today and we are super excited. Tell us a little bit more about that um, primer uh, program and our project and, and what that'll entail.
1: So the Foundations of Manitoba Ag Primer is um, going to be a project where it'll be online and we'll also have some parts available in print but it's going to have three different components to it. And so online there'll be a larger, more in-depth uh, information for teachers or for high school students that are maybe doing a, um, a research project on, on a commodity but there'll be more information for teachers and then there'll be a one-pager for the more simplified information about the commodity for younger students. And then there's gonna be uh, an e-learning, a game or like an online activity that the students can do to extend their learning about the commodity. So we're, think- we're looking at the- what will be in there is like the introduction of, of top- the top commodities in Manitoba, there'll be a producer story for each commodity hi- highlighting a Manitoba producer an explanation on how that commodity is produced, um, an intro to different career opportunities in that sector, and then we'll relate the commodity to healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle. We were originally looking at 15 to 17 commodities being part of that, but as we've started to investigate uh, all the different commodities in Manitoba, I think we're at about 20 commodities right now. Um, and so really, you know, that well, why we started this, Corey, is because as you know, we work with, uh, teachers is really who we we work with, and, and we provide resources and activities and programs for teachers to do in their classroom. And we bring volunteers into classrooms. And when it's not COVID, they can come out to in-person field trips, um, all for agriculture education. But a common thing that we've heard from teachers is that, you know they're so far removed from the farm they're two or three generations removed from farming even a lot of the teachers that work in rural communities they really don't know that much about ag and when and when we give them information to teach in their classroom we give them everything they need to know but a lot of them feel like they should have more of a background or more knowledge or some place to go and get a little more information depending on their grade level and so that's really what sparked the idea for this primer is to have information For teachers, so that if they're doing a a section on hogs, or if they're talking about canola or wheat or any of the you know commodities in our province, that they would have a place to go and get some basic information, um, and you know hear about a producer's story, and then have activities for the students to do that pertain to
0: that commodity. That was Sue Clayton, Executive Director with Agriculture in the Classroom, Manitoba. The province and the Manitoba 4-H Council have selected agriculture in the classroom as the first recipient of the Alexander Sherban Agriculture Industry Development Program. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute The USDA released an updated crop acreage report on Wednesday. Dan Bossie is with Ag Resource Company in Chicago.
2: We saw 92.7 million acres of corn planted. Uh, that's... Uh going to be up uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 1.6 million acres from what was expected back in March, less than what the trade was expecting. They were looking for around 94, so that number was seen as generally bullish. The vast majority of those acres are all closed, clustered in the northern plains in Minnesota. So there's a little concern about those extra acres being in the area of drought, at least in the central U.S.
0: Soybean acres were unchanged from the March reports. The heat wave is having an impact on Manitoba's canola crop. Justine Cornelson is with the Canola Council of Canada.
3: Any temperatures over that 28 to 29 degrees Celsius is going to cause some, some stress on that plant. That's just for the daytime. And, and so we are going to be seeing that. When we look, then we also have to uh, assess what those overnight lows are going to be. The plants are are resilient, and if it can cool off overnight, they will bounce back from that heat during the day. If we can cool off to under that, I think it's around the 16-degree mark, uh, those plants will
0: recover. And Farm Credit Canada's chief economist says the potential for higher interest rates is the darkest cloud, shading recent news that farm debt in Canada recorded the smallest increase in six years. Here's J.P. Gervais.
2: Overall, farms are in a good financial situation, but it doesn't mean that we need to stop monitoring and planning for potential financial risk down the road at one point in are of climate
0: climate. Statistics Canada data showed outstanding Canadian farm debt increased by 5.9% to $121.9 billion in 2020. However, this was the smallest increase since 2014 and below the 10-year average of 6.5%. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Friday, July 2nd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Justine Cornelson with the Canola Council of Canada. Joining us today is Justine Cornelson, an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, to give us an update on the canola crop and the impact of the heat wave this week.
3: It's a challenging thing to try to quantify, um, we've got a lot of work on, you know, what heat does during the flowering period, but a lot of our crops are just coming into that flowering or that bloom stage. Um, so there's a little bit of uncertainty right now and what that's going to do to some of these younger uh, stages. Uh, what we want to kind of focus in on and, and where a lot of the literature points you to is in the hormonal response. So right, things start to shut down and slow down. So there, there's not a lot of great work to say what types of yield loss we might be seeing from heat at those early stages. Um, when the crop moves into bloom, um, you know, we're very familiar here within Manitoba what heat blast does. So right where we, within that bloom stage where the, the blooms fall off of the plant, uh, they're kind of cooked right off, and, and that results in no pods. Um, what we typically see, and, and a lot of this research doesn't go hot enough for what, you know, some of these temperatures, and especially in Alberta, what they're seeing, you know, with these almost 40-degree temperatures. But, you know, with those, uh, well, any temperatures over that about uh, 28 to 29 degrees Celsius is going to cause some, some stress on that plant. That's just for the daytimes, and and so we are going to be seeing that. Um, When we look then, we also have to uh, assess what those overnight lows are going to be. Uh, The plants are are resilient, and if it can cool off overnight, um, they will bounce back from that heat during the day. Um, But So if if we can cool off to under that, I think it's around the 16-degree mark, uh, those plants will recover. Uh, One other huge factor uh, that plays uh, an effect here is is what we have for precipitation. Um, You know, we are very dry already in in most areas across the province. Um, You know, some scattered, some showers, any sort of precipitation throughout this, uh, this, you know, hot period will help relieve some of that stress as well. Um, But it's not overly promising just looking at what the forecast is
0: coming up in the next week. How's the crop looking at this point?
3: You know what? It's just amazing. We have had had some you know scattered showers here and there, and the crop is progressing. You know, we finally have kind of left flea beetles behind, and and that that crop is starting to grow and, and cabbage out. Um, you know, there's pockets of some really nice crops, and, um, and and on the other end, there's some ones with some really patchy emergence and some holes, and and those fields are starting to progress and, and fill in. Um, uh, one of the biggest things moving forward is for growers is looking at, um, you know, making that sclerotinia uh, fungicide application decision, uh, right? There's a lot of factors there that are, are not adding up uh, for an application just on how dry it is and, and how patchy some of those fields are. So that yield potential is, is already reduced a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, like that in the next week or so with this heat, that's really going to kind of determine what type of canola crop we're dealing with.
0: Is now the time to, that we're starting to see, you know, spraying as well? or
3: Yeah, you know, what, some growers are going ahead. I've heard of a little bit happening in the Winnipeg area. Um, lots are waiting to make that decision. And, and with sclerotinia, you're right, that optimal timing for a fungicide application is when you've got the most blooms on the plant. Um, so like the bulk of our acres are just kind of getting into that period. Um, but applications go down from that 20% to 50% bloom. Um, but like I said, you, go, you have to go through the factors. So looking at you know your crop density, looking at the precipitation within the forecast, and also the moisture leading up to flowering. Um, typically, we need that that um, soil surface to be wet or damp ten days leading up to canola blooming, just to get the the apocissia. Um, to to get or to start producing spores to create this disease within the crop. Um, so a lot of those conditions just have not been there. Uh, our humidity, for, for the most part, has been relatively low in, in areas across Manitoba. Um, we're just starting to see a little bit now as we move into more thunderstorms and things like that, but overall humidity has been low. So when you're walking in that canopy, you don't have that moisture throughout it, um, you know, even in the mid afternoon. So this is a little bit of a, a different realm for us here in Manitoba because we typically deal with um, fairly high, you know, high moisture situations with lots of humidity. Um, so like I said, it, it's just to go through that checklist and, and assess if an application is warranted or not.
0: That was Justine Cornelson with the Canola Council of Canada. Continuing on today's Prairie Ag Wire, we're joined by Dan Bossie with Egg Resource Company in Chicago to talk about this week's USDA updated crop acreage reports. Dan started off talking about corn acres.
2: We saw 92.7 million acres of corn planted. Uh, that's uh, going to be up uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 1.6 million acres from what was expected back in March less than what the trade was expecting. They were looking for around 94. So that number was seen as generally bullish. The vast majority of those acres are all closed, clustered in the northern plains in Minnesota. So there's a little concern about those extra acres being in the area of drought, at least in the central U.S.
0: What about soybeans? Soybean
2: acres came out exactly unchanged from where March intentions were, 86.7. Traders were looking for closer to 89 million acres. So You know, not the big gains that were expected there. Combined U.S. corn and soybean acres, 180.3 near the record. But I think what this is telling us, Corey, is that even though farmers had a very favorable spring and very high prices and profitability, we have seen urbanization kind of cut into U.S. farmland acres. And this may be about as big as it gets, 317 million acres for all U.S. crops combined going forward.
0: What did we see for wheat acres?
2: Well, the wheat acres came in a little over 46 million acres, uh, up uh, 2.9 from last year. But, uh, again, spring wheat acres probably will be adjusted downwards on a harvested basis due to all of the drought uh, seen within uh, that area. Ninety-three percent of the U.S. spring wheat acres are now under drought. Condition ratings are very low. We expect farmers to uh, see failed acres, in other words, where they just uh, collect crop insurance rather than going forward with the harvest operation. But nonetheless, a little negative on, if you will, on wheat acres, uh, but not overly so relative to the spring uh, production numbers that are being talked about in the industry.
0: And the uh, USDA also published its uh, quarterly grain stocks report this week. Um, What did we see in that report?
2: Well, the grain stocks on all three products, corn, wheat, and soybeans, came under slightly from what traders had expected. U.S. corn stocks, a little over 4.1 billion bushels. That was uh, down about 12 million bushels from what traders were discussing. Uh, soybean stocks 767 down about 22. Uh, wheat stocks at 844 defined where we were at the end of last year's crop. So that number also a little under the 860, which was forecast. It looks like feed residual use in corn was, you know, down about 882 million bushels. So high prices did weigh on the feed profile, at least in the United States. Soybean residual, uh, really nothing there that would give us any indications of last year's crop size. So, in a general sense, uh, it really pushed a lot of emphasis here on Mother Nature and how we're going to see rainfall in the months of July and August going forward. We just don't have any room for falls in U.S.
0: corn and soybean production relative to old crop stocks being so tight. That was Dan Bossy with Egg Resource Company in Chicago. That's it for the Prairie Egg Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email the farm desk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. CFAM Radio 950 is hosting a Farmer Appreciation Lunch. July 13th in Plum Coulee at the Harvest Christian Fellowship Church parking lot. It will be a drive through event taking place from 11.30 until 1.00. The grand prize this year is a Meridian Grain Max Hopper bottom bin valued at more than $20,000. Sponsors this year include Avenue Polaris South between Winkler and Morden, BASF, and Eltona IGA. Farm Credit Canada is offering a free online workshop July 13th entitled The Modern Family Farm Transition. Go to the FCC website to register. And the Canadian Cemental Association AGM takes place online July 24th. Visit their website for viewing information. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, we're joined by Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture to give us an update on Manitoba crops.
4: It's been uh, really challenging for many crops this week. The heat has uh, had negative impacts on both uh, maturation, moving crops to an earlier maturing stage, as well as uh, stressing them out in a critical time of flowering and reproductive development.
0: Lack of rainfall, that's also having an impact?
4: Exactly. Uh, Without rain to rejuvenate the plants to help them cool off, uh, crops are are doubly impacted by the high temperature stress. And when uh, when they're unable to cool off, they produce stress hormones, and those stress hormones cause imbalances in the plant and uh, lead to premature ripening, uh, flower abortion, and lack of seed set in some cases.
0: Are there certain crops that um, are impacted more than others?
4: Yes. uh, The cooler season crops will face more of a challenge. Those are our C3 crops, uh, are cereals, our wheat, oats, barley, canola, those tend to prefer cooler conditions and tend to thrive in those cooler, slightly wetter conditions. Uh, so they're going to be facing more of a challenge right now, and particularly because they're at that critical stage in their life cycle. C4 crops are warm seasons, uh, like corn, soybeans, are less likely to be impacted. They can tolerate higher temperatures. However, they tolerate those higher temperatures much better when they have some moisture to cool off and uh, keep uh, that crop in good condition.
0: Just a thought on, on yield potential and, and how this will impact that?
4: Uh, yield potential is has been decreasing uh, for some time. Every time we don't get a rain, uh, that does put another notch uh, against the crop. So right now it's hard to predict what final yields might end up looking like. However, some crops are past the tipping point of having some yield being saved because they're just simply not getting the rainfall in time. So our early season uh, cereals, things that have in the ground really early and are Creeping towards the end of their life cycle, they don't have a lot of upside potential. Any rain that we do get now would help fill grain and gain bushel weight, but that yield has been given up. So there is certainly going to be some yield uh, impact there on those cereals and canola facing a, a challenging spring and now into a challenging summer. Will be facing uh, yield reductions.
0: And I know it's been a challenge for um, for spraying with the with the conditions here this year. Um, just a thought on on how that's been going.
4: That's right. We've had a very windy spring, in fact. We uh, ran the numbers here at Manitoba Ag and uh, did some calculations on the percentage of hourly wind speed greater than 15 kilometers an hour uh, from May 1st to June 15th. So that's in that prime spraying window. And we found that there was quite a number of locations that had um, spray, or pardon me, had wind conditions that were higher than that recommended 15 kilometer an hour uh, level. And, And as a result, we're seeing... Challenging uh, conditions when we're out there trying to spray, and, and farmers are facing fewer and fewer hours that are able to have safe, successful spray conditions in the field. So, wind certainly has been a, a negative impact this spring as well, impacting herbicide efficacy on the field. Anything
0: else to highlight here from the, the report here this week, Dane? Or? Uh, yes.
4: Um, We're looking at uh, many farmers making fungicide uh, decisions right now, looking to see whether there is a crop potential that they want to protect there or there are other plant health benefits that they're going for. Many farmers right now are are looking at the weather forecast and looking at the uh, economic calculators that uh, the province and other agriculture agencies put out and realizing that there is... um, not a strong need or strong demand for fungicide to be applied this year since disease disease levels and disease incidents are expected to be quite low for many cases. So many farmers are holding back on their fungicide decisions for this year.
0: That was Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The USDA released an updated crop acreage report this week. Dan Bossi is with Ag Resource Company in Chicago.
2: Soybean acres came out exactly unchanged from where March intentions were, 86.7. Traders were looking for closer to 89 million acres. So, you know, not the big gains that were expected there. Combined U.S. corn and soybean acres, 180.3 near the record. But I think what this is telling us is that even though farmers had a very favorable spring and very high prices and profitability, we have seen urbanization kind of cut into U.S. farmland acres. And this may be about as big as it gets, 317 million acres. For all U.S. crops combined going
0: forward. Corn acres were up about 1.6 million acres from the March report. Statistics Canada data is showing that outstanding Canadian farm debt increased by 5.9 percent to $121.9 billion in 2020 as producers invested in land, buildings, and equipment. However, this was the smallest increase since 2014 and below the 10-year average of 6.5 percent. Farm Credit Canada's Chief Economist, J.P. Gervais, says FCC is projecting record high farm revenue in 2021. He adds it's important to recognize revenue growth has not been consistent across all sectors and regions of Canadian agriculture.
4: If you look at the livestock
2: sector, we've had lots of significant headwinds when it comes to farm cash receipts for livestock cattle and hogs as well because of some of the plant closures, shutdown of the food services, uh, food service sector. So overall, it's been a really up and down year.
0: Gervais notes demand for agriculture commodities and food is strong and inventories are generally lower than their long-term average. And the heat this week will have some impact on Manitoba's canola crop. We got a crop update from Justine Cornelson with the Canola Council of Canada.
3: Scattered showers here and there and the crop is progressing. You know, we finally have kind of left flea beetles behind and, and that, that crop is starting to grow and, and cabbage out. Um, you know, there's pockets of some really nice crops and, um, and, and on the other end, there's some ones with some really patchy emergence and some holes and, and those fields are starting to progress and, and fill in. But one of the biggest things moving forward is for growers is looking at, um, you know, making that sclerotinia uh, fungicide application decision.
0: I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program.